Well, we're going to try something a little bit different today. Not that different, but maybe just change the format of the way we approach a typical Sunday school lesson. First, I want to pray. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to pray with me. And when I say pray with me, just don't bow your head and think about who's playing football today. I mean, <laughs> I want you to get on board. And, and if I say something that resonates with your soul, I want you to say, yes, Lord, amen. That's, that's what I want. And, and then after I'm finished praying, I'm going to ask Dr. Skates to also pray. Not the same thing, but just pray over the lesson. Because we want, we need Holy Ghost illumination. We need the Lord to open up our eyes. Right? Amen. Can you say indeed? Yes. Okay. So I want you to pray with me. Father, help us, Lord, to realize our dependence on the illumination of your spirit to help us to understand your word and to live by it. And I pray, Lord, that you would flood this place on every willing heart that desires wisdom from your word, that there would be the light of your Holy Spirit that would illuminate your word to our hearts, that we will profit thereby. And we pray, Master, that you will do this, and we will sense your presence, and we'll learn something in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Ron, lead us in another prayer. Lord God, I lift my brother Paul up to you and pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would uh, inspire him his thoughts, his words, and our hearts, and that we would all be built up in Christ. May this not be just an information uh, gathering time, but a transformational time for us. We need your Holy Spirit to transform our hearts more and more every day into the likeness of Christ. That's something that we can't Amen. You can do. So we pray that through Paul, uh, you might use him to, to chip away anything that is not of you in our hearts and strengthen us uh, in our walks with Christ. Amen. Uh, that we would either prepare, be prepared to go from here to, to live for Christ or to worship and worship uh, more in spirit and in truth. So just anoint Paul using mightily today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now I told you this was going to be a little bit different. Garland, I know I can put you on the spot. I want you to pray. I'm going to put you on right now. I want you to pray over this class, just like Ron and I just did. And I want all of us to hitchhike onto what he's saying. Let's just pray for a good, anointed Sunday school class. I want you to lead us, brother. Dear Lord, you are so... Hallelujah, yes, you are. We praise you, and we thank you for all that you do for us and with us. And we ask that your Holy Spirit fill us and open our eyes, ears, and hearts to your message. And we thank you for all the ways you're there for us. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. Now I'm going to quote a couple of Bible verses that you've all heard. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Some of you may know where it is. And as soon as I quote these verses, I want some feedback. I want some of you that uh, 
if, if these verses hit you or have, if they've ever hit you or if they have meant something significant to you, I want you to share it because we're going to benefit by everybody's feedback. And we're not going to do this for the whole class, just starting right off. And, and I'm not going to put anybody else on the spot. I'm not going to say, you know, you, you. Because if you feel like you have something that these verses that I'm going to quote, uh, if, if they've ever meant something to you, tell us how. Okay, we've all heard them. And I want you to notice the way I'm going to quote it, because this is the way it's usually quoted. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You've heard that before, haven't you? Now, some of you may know where it is. Uh, don't turn to it because I'm going to turn to it and I'm going to read the context that it comes in later. But I want anyone here, except for Ron, because we want to hear from the normal people. <laughs> He's, he has the, the aroma of years of ministry on him. That sounds nicer than saying he's got the stink of ministry, but he has the aroma, the sweet aroma of ministry on him. Sometimes it's more beneficial to hear from people that have been in church for most of their life, if not all of their life. They've heard things like this. You know, with, uh, I'm, I'm not asking you to exegete the passage. I just want to know, has this ever meant anything to you? Have you ever heard this before? Anybody? And we will need somebody. <laughs> Say it again. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he will of the spirit reap life everlasting. You've all heard this before, right? Hey, let me ask you this. Has, has anyone not heard this verse? It's possible. Maybe you've not heard it. So everyone here has heard it. Okay, has it ever hit you? Has it ever had an effect on you? I'd, I'd say smack you upside the head, but that, that sounds a little crude. We don't come to church to get smacked upside the head, but sometimes we need that. There'll be no smacking going on here now, unless the Holy Spirit does that, and sometimes he does. Yes? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. That's just the type of feedback I'm looking for. Yes. Oh. Oh, oh, you couldn't hear her. Oh. I was calling on you. You know, this is almost like an auction. You know, if you scratch your ear, I'm gonna Yes. <laughs> you bought it. <laughs> okay, you couldn't hear what she said. She said, let me let me repeat what she said. She, it reminds her how important the Word of God is, that we don't just hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other, but we pay attention and live by it. Is that pretty much the... Okay. Anybody else? Yes? To me, just those verses by themselves, the statement that in the providence of God, there are consequences. 
In the providence of God, there are consequences, good and bad. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. God is in control. There's evil and injustice in the world, but it's nice to know that the Lord balances everything out. Is that pretty much what you were saying, Doc? Okay. All right. Tom, you look like you got something right there, like you. Well, the fact that God is not mocked. Um, in the Bible, it talks about mocking as, uh -huh. as, a, as a way of <coughs> and mockers uh, will come. Uh, to belittle and to disorient a believer right. in their heart. Right. Absolutely. God is not mocked. We are. We're made fun of. We're ridiculed. Christians are. But God is not mocked. Okay. Anybody else? If you've got something right there that you think will be valuable to share, we want to hear it. If not, I'm going to start talking and probably won't stop. <laughs> Okay, if you are reminded of anything or, or anything comes up, we want to we hear from you. Uh, the reason I ask you to do that is because I've heard these verses all of my Christian life, and the reason I quoted it the way I quoted it is because that's how you usually hear it quoted. At least in the type of church that I used to be a part of, th there was more of an accent on the, uh, the threat God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. And uh, when we get into the context where, this, where these verses come from, you may be surprised at uh, how the Apostle Paul said this and the context out of which he said this. And that's, that's, the, that's the teaser and the uh, interest for this whole lesson that we're going to do this morning. So uh, what does come to mind, uh, at least... I'm, I'm just going to tell you from, from my own standpoint, it's more negative than positive. You know, it's almost like the Apostle Paul said, yeah, well, God's not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. And maybe, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your parents might have told you that. Or uh, uh, maybe your school teacher might have told you that. Or a seminary professor. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, kind of like when they threaten you and say, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You know, you're going to, yes, sir. Yes, it does sound disciplinary. And in a way, it, it, it's, well, it's, it, it's more informational than it is disciplinary. And uh, what, what our friend back there, Dr. Doc, Dr. Rick. <laughs> Isn't that the guy who gives the, the information on those uh, commercials? Dr. Rick? The guy? <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's something else. I'm just sorry. Dr. Rick. Yeah, the, uh, he, he, it's, I, I, I got kind of a positive, reassuring thing that, you know, the Lord is in control, and he really is. But this is a universal truth. Nobody can argue with the fact that we reap what we sow. There would have to be something wrong with you if you didn't know you reap what you sow. I knew an old country preacher years ago, 40 plus years ago, 
who, based on the truth of this verse, put it in a kind of homespun, country-like way, and he'd say, you can't plant cuckleburrs and get butter beans. <laughs> right? Amen. You know, as, 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 as we drive anywhere throughout the outlying country or wherever you drive, and there's something growing, those farmers know what to expect in their harvest because of what they planted. The farmer who planted an almond tree, when they start to make almonds, is not going to say, man, I wanted plums. I, 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 I was really hoping for plums. No, that, you would have to think there's something not wrapped too tight about that, that, that person. He, he doesn't have a grip on reality. So not only is this a natural law of physical science that's immutable and unchangeable, it is just as immutable and unchangeable in the spiritual realm. And that's the one that the Apostle Paul is referring to. Yes, Colonel. And related to that, um, I grew up being responsible for your own actions that nobody else is. Right. And I wish that that was true today, uh, especially among the younger folks that are growing up. Boy. Uh, but we were always taught to be responsible for your own actions. Nobody else is responsible for you. Right. And that kind of tracks with that. Yeah. That's true. And... You know, it, 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 it seems that modern psychology, in fact, I was just listening to Warren Wiersbe on my way up here driving to church, and uh, he mentioned how people like to go to counselors, not so much for counseling, but for consoling. They want to be told, oh, it's not your fault. You're not that bad. You, you just keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> people used to come for me for counseling, and I'd get right to it. I'd say, it is your fault. You are that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a lot of counseling, I, 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 but I, I, I told him, you know, I, I, you know, those verses would come to me, and my flesh dwells no good thing. That goes for you, too. And, uh, and we do reap what we sow. So, having said that, I think it would be interesting for us, and, and by the way, there's a, there's a couple of uh, comments I have here out of Calvin's commentary. Of course, every, every time I read any of them, Calvin's comments, I always find myself saying, man, I wish I could. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> How come I can't talk like that? And I, <laughs> not even close. So let me read to you, and I hope I'm not getting too far ahead of uh, what, I, what I planned on sharing with you. Uh, the book of Galatians is where this comes from. It comes from the sixth chapter, and we're going to read this portion, the first ten verses of chapter 6. Don't you read it now. I shouldn't have told you that because, you know, having taught in a Bible college for 15 years, whenever you tell the class that's what you're going to be reading, they start reading. And they shut you down and they don't listen to you and they start reading because they want to know what the answer is going to be. They just want to know what's going to be on the test. Well, you don't know what's going to be on the test. <laughs> However, there will be a test and you will be tested. We don't know when it's going to happen. The Lord gives us pop quizzes, but it's a good thing all of the pop quizzes he gives us are all open book examinations. So you can always have your Bible open. And that's, don't you like those? I hated those tests where, close your book. Oh, now I've got to remember it. I like open book tests. And even though the Lord does test us, they're all open book exams. Well, when the Apostle Paul wrote to these Galatians, he was more irritated in this epistle than any other epistle he ever wrote. He was really shocked surprised, peeved, put off, angry. 
I'm surprised that you're so far removed. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you're, you're believing this other gospel. And it's, it's in this epistle that we have the great verses that we wonder why Mormons don't believe this. That if I or an angel come and preach another gospel to you, let it be accursed. He says it again, right? You know, just the, the force of the repetition. Uh, the importance of, of the, the gospel of grace and justification by faith and not because uh, of some physical marks, and specifically the deal about circumcision. So it's a, it is a, uh, an interesting epistle, and I find it even more interesting that at the end he says what he says. It's kind of like he changed his tone completely, and even though it sounds like, you know, be not deceived, you're going to reap what you sow, when I read this to you, or you read along with me, you may be surprised at the consoling tone that the Apostle Paul has. So yeah, there's a time for rebuke. There's a time for people to be told, what's wrong with you? And uh, you know, one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite verses is the one that I happen to be quoting right now, but in chapter four, verse 16, one of the great rhetorical questions of scripture is when the Apostle Paul says, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Isn't that a good question? You know, if, if anybody ever gets mad at you because you're quoting Bible verses or telling them how good the Lord is and they don't like you, uh, why don't you ask them that? Say, am I your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? And uh, usually that doesn't make them feel any better, but we, we tell them that anyway. Now, I'm going to read in chapter 6 of Galatians, and this is uh, right after the Apostle Paul is talking about the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit in chapter 5. He says in the last couple of verses of chapter 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then he launches off into this. We understand the chapter divisions and verses are not inspired. So this was all one run-on message that the Apostle was inspired to write. He says, brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, that's kind of surprising, especially as I set up this whole thing and I was quoting it with my teeth gritted, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. The Apostle Paul is actually encouraging the Galatians, and uh, did anybody catch what he's encouraging them to do? This is an open book quiz. 
What did he encourage them to do? He wants them to look in the mirror. Well, that's always good. He wants them to look at their own actions. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then he wants them to do good to all others. Yes. Yes, Anne. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sister. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting that he says, "Let us bear the burdens of others," and then a couple of verses later, he says, "Carry your own load." Just one, 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 right after the other. I said, well, "What is he? Double-minded? Not at all." What's the deal? Do we bear one another's burdens or do we bear our own? That's correct. Yes, we do. We do both. Now, uh, something that we don't expect, and you know, I I feel such great liberty to uh, teach you this or to bring this out of the verses because I'm not on staff here and I'm not being paid for anything. And because I'm not being paid, if I tell you, hey, this is about offerings in church, you can't be offended at me and say, ah, well, you're just trying to just trying to get a better offering. You know, there are pastors, unfortunately, that uh, will use verses like this uh, to try to get a bigger offering for themselves. Uh, I just want you to see how important it is, how the Apostle Paul brings it out, in the context that he brings it out, how important it is that we are faithful with our giving. Look again at chapter 6, verse 6. Let the one who is taught in the word, taught the word, share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, the old King James says, let him who is taught communicate. That is something about that archaic English, old English that doesn't quite get. He's talking about sharing good things, material good things. Uh, we, we, we read communicate today, and we just think about talking about something. But... Uh, if you have a note at the bank and you're going to go communicate with that banker, all he wants to know is when are you going to make that payment? <laughs> it has something to do with what you owe. Now, not that we owe in that sense like uh, a banker is owed, but uh, we are to be faithful to the Lord. And it's right after the Apostle Paul says, let him who is taught share all good things with the one that teaches is when he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, and, and I like this, this uh, English Standard Translation, our, our, our New Pew Bibles, because it, it brings out something important. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. If you do not faithfully support this church, and see, I could, I could say this with abandon, because I don't know about your financial statement. I don't know what your business is. It's none of my business. It's your business. You say, well, you're, you're making me uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> it's a good thing. Maybe you need to be uncomfortable. If, 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 if you don't believe you reap what you sow, there's something wrong with you. Do you think you can plant cuckleburrs and get butter beans? You think you can plant one thing and get something else? Only a person who's, there's something wrong with their mental process would think you could get anything else but what you plant. And here the Apostle Paul, linking to our faithful support 
of the ministers who feed our souls. And that would, of course, be the people that are on staff and to pay all the bills. It is a beautiful place. I have no idea what the utility bill is here, but it's got to be incredible. I don't know what the, the budget is for the, for the maintenance people, the people who clean up after us after every service. It's got to be extensive. How is that taken care of? Those of us who are taught the good things of the word are faithful to share our material things. Now, I told you I like the way Calvin uh, puts this. I'm just going to read you just a couple of uh, brief sentences here. On the verse uh, 6, where it says, Let him that is taught in the word, Calvin writes, It is probable that the teachers and ministers of the word were at that time neglected. This showed the basest ingratitude. How disgraceful it is to defraud of their temporal support those by whom our souls are fed, to refuse an earthly recompense to those from whom we receive heavenly benefits. That's a good argument, isn't it? And Calvin is just commenting on what the Apostle Paul said. We can't think that if we withhold financial support from the church that's feeding our soul, we don't know how bad that looks until the Apostle Paul frames it the way he does and he says, you're going to reap what you sow. You withhold that support, you're sowing to your own flesh. He has a really, a really good comment on that. I, 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 I had just a couple of these that I wanted to share, and uh, I think we'll have enough time. Where he says, God is not mocked. I, it, 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 just a couple of sentences here and there. God is not mocked. The design of this observation is to reply to the dishonest excuses which are frequently pleaded. One alleges that he has a family to support. And another asserts that he has no superfluity of wealth to spend in liberality or profusion. And he had a way with words, didn't he? And this is translated from French. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'd be saying pardon my French because I, <laughs> I can hardly read it in English. The consequence is that while such multitudes withhold their aid, the few persons who do their duty are generally unable to contribute the necessary support. These apologies Paul utterly rejects for a reason which the world litter, little considers, that this transaction is with God. Did you bring offering bags this morning? <laughs> yes. Paul, yeah. I, I never had any idea how many people tithe and did what the budget was. Whatever. Right. Several years ago, <clears throat> Yeah, well, and that's, and that's a shame. Here's the deal. They're going to reap what they sow. You know, we, if, if, if we withhold these monetary support from our church, we're, we're sowing to our own flesh. And what's going to happen? It's going to rot with you. It'll be left behind.
was the other thing, Father. Yeah. People need to know. It was stunning. Even the people that gave, how little they gave. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's not our business. It's not a minister's business. Nobody from this church, I don't think, is ever going to call you up and say, hey, what's wrong with you? you know, cough it up. You know, you, you know, you. <laughs> yeah. You told me a story about a guy who got mad at you, right? I believe. And you said he, he came. I know, I know. But let me remind you of this guy specifically who said, I want all my money back. All the money that I gave. He wasn't mad at well, he was mad at me, he was mad at his church. This was during the when we left the nomination. I'm not gonna name any names. But this person actually filed a lawsuit against the church and he figured out how much money he was raised from the little kid. How much money over the like six or seven decades he into his church, and he wanted the church to pay it back to him. Listen to this. And the figure was uh, $19,000. <laughs> Which, I mean, if you add up how many Sundays mm-hmm. over the last 70 years, and divide that, it's like 38 cents a minute. Yeah. You <laughs> should have been embarrassed. Yeah. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He didn't win the lot. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. It's, uh, it's, it's shocking how we can be so dull, so void of understanding, not to know about reaping and sowing. And I think it's probably unusual that we would apply the law of reaping and sowing to how we are faithful in our giving. That what we give is for uh, uh, eternity. We're actually sowing into eternity. We're sowing to the Spirit. We're planting something that will be paying dividends a hundred billion years from now. now. I know, I just threw that out. Eternity is beyond time. We cannot comprehend eternity. And to realize that in our little hyphen-like existence right now, the Lord has enabled us to accumulate eternal wealth. That is mind-boggling in itself. And it's just as mind-boggling that there's people in every church, any denomination, every denomination, who won't do it. Because they don't believe that applies to them, or they think somebody else is going to do it, and they just let somebody else do it. And you know what? Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will get the blessing. And we're not going to know this until the final judgment day. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment, nobody's going to escape it. And, you know, when we think about that, and I don't mean to be getting off this. There's another quote I want to read from Calvin here. But when we think about that, sometimes it makes people nervous. And sometimes it makes some people excited and very encouraged at what they have to look forward to. Not that we're overconfident. I, I remember uh, Billy Graham was being interviewed shortly before he died, and someone said, well, you know, do you feel like the Lord is going to say, uh, well done, good and faithful servant? And Billy Graham said, I really don't know. <laughs> Whoa. 
<laughs> How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, he wasn't overly confident. You know, the Lord never makes a mistake. The Lord knows, ever, and including the thoughts and the intents of our heart and what we give and what we withhold and how much. There's nothing that's secret from the Lord. He knows everything. And uh, this is not meant to make anybody uncomfortable. It's just meant to uh, talk about a couple of verses. Don't be deceived. We're going to reap what we sow. There will be a harvest. And either your harvest is going to rot and you're going to leave it behind, or else you will come into this incredible eternal treasure that we can't hardly comprehend right now. Oh, you know, we hear about the streets of gold and the pearly gates and this other stuff, but the, the personal wealth that the Lord will give to us based on our faithfulness here and now is truly mind-boggling. Let me read you something else, what, what, what Calvin said about sowing and reaping. For whatsoever a man soweth, our liberality is restrained by the supposition that whatever passes into the hands of another is lost to ourselves, and by the alarm we feel about our own prospects in life. Paul meets these views by a comparison drawn from seed time, which he tells us is a fit representation of acts of beneficence. On this subject, we had occasion to speak in expounding 2 Corinthians, uh, where the metaphor is employed. How gladly, and this is from 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and 15, how gladly, and the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthians, how gladly we will spend and be spent. You know, wouldn't it be a great thing to just come to the end of our life and be spent? Not necessarily broke, but you know, we, we don't need to leave as much behind. And we, we say this not in jest or in, in, in any way for it to be taken lightly, but you should really do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Or you can just trust the lawyers to do the right thing. Good luck with that. Now that's, I'm not bad-mouthing lawyers. We need lawyers. I'm glad Lisa's not here. She might take offense at that, or any other lawyers, no. No, we're not. I just got canceled. Yeah, all right. I might need some help putting this thing. See, the problem is you can't see it. Well, I'm almost finished anyway, so I'll just hang on to this. So, another thing Calvin wrote, he that sows to his flesh, Having stated the general sentiment, now he divides it into parts. To sow to the flesh <coughs> is to look forward to the wants of the present life without any regard to a future life. Very important. They who do this will gather fruit corresponding to the seed which they have sown and will heap up that which shall miserably perish. To sow to the flesh is supposed by some to mean indulgence in the lusts of the flesh and corruption to mean destruction. But the former exposition agrees better in the context. In departing from the old translation from Erasmus, I have not acted rashly. The Greek words, I'm not going to read you the Greek words, he that soweth to his flesh. And what else does he mean but to be so entirely devoted to the flesh as to direct all our thoughts and interests or convenience? All we do is care about ourselves. 
This is a very common program. I can say with over 40 years of ministerial experience that uh, it's hard to raise money for church projects. It's hard for people to be uh, uh, faithful. You know what Ron was talking about, this guy who was a member of the church for decades and he wanted all of his money back and it turned out to be what, averaged out to 35 cents a week or something, which is, that's sowing to the flesh. Maybe he's got much more money. You know, whenever there is a special offering, and I realized just a couple of weeks ago we had our, our stewardship, our, our giving, you know, we fill out the cards and everything, and that's good. But uh, whenever there's a special offering that's being taken up, if, if there's some major project, maybe on the building or something, I want you to remember this right now. This church has all the money that it needs. It's just all in your bank account at the present time. It really does. It has all the money that it needs. It's just in your bank account. It's locked up in your savings and your IRAs and your 401ks and all your other devices that you have. And uh, if we really believe what the Lord said about reaping and sowing, God is not mocked. Boy, let that hit you like a catapulted log. God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. And he goes on to say, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season. When is that? I don't know. It's God's due season. We will reap if we don't give up. If we don't stop and say, well, you know, I was, I've been doing this for a while, and I don't seem to see much return. That's because your returns are not here and now. They're there and later. Do you believe that? Hey, look, either you do or you don't. You could say, I believe it, but what determines whether you believe it is how faithful you are. So I hope that this wasn't offensive to anybody. We never want a, a purpose in our heart to be offensive, but, well, if you are, that's okay. I'll take that chance. <laughs> it's, yes, Anne. always a component of giving also mm -hmm. to the kingdom. And after, after the building campaign, there was so much joy when they saw that from then on the budget went up for mm -hmm. the church. It was like so much joy happened in that sacrificial giving. Mm -hmm. It must have been, or else it would have gone down, but <clears throat> it went up. Am I telling you that accurately? Well, every building campaign, we said we're going to have a 10% tithe to the kingdom mm -hmm. outside, and that actually made a shoot over. Our Good. One thing Lewis taught me is money follows vision. Uh -huh. If you get the vision out there, this is going to sound like I'm, I hesitate to say this, I don't want to make myself look like But when I went to Dallas, they never met their budget. Hmm. They had a bank of elders who then called the sugar daddies mm -hmm. church to make up for it. And then there was one man in particular who, after all was done, he talked. Mm -hmm. I said, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. And you, most churches will have a stewardship campaign. What money comes in, they go, okay, that's what we're going to do. Uh -huh. So we reversed that. Mm -hmm. I asked all my staff, I said, pray. What do you really feel like God's calling your 
part of the church to, to put a figure to it and come back. Mm -hmm. And then we, the session, looked at it and we okayed it. And we went to the congregation and said, here's what we believe God's calling this church to do. Mm -hmm. I've scrapped stewardship. We never had a stewardship season. Mm -hmm. But the vision was out there and we shot over our budget, sometimes a million dollars a year mm -hmm. over keeping the vision out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bill. When we built the other half of the church in the 80s, uh -huh. as we were planning for that, I thought, they're going to call me and ask me to go get 10 people and give 10,000 of these. And I just absolutely hate that and don't do it very well. The vision that Lewis had was there was a man in Houston at one of the giant churches, uh -huh. had a big fund drive, and they did the whole fund drive, and they asked him why he didn't give any money. He said, nobody asked me. I was going to give you a million dollars. Wow. So this whole campaign of teams and groups and captains and all that kind of stuff, and basically we approached every member of the church and explained what was going to happen and said, thanks a lot for that. Uh -huh. So there was no asking them for money. Mm -hmm. It was the what we told them what all was going to yeah. be on, how good it would be all done. Remember back in the book of Exodus when uh, Moses was building the temple? He had to stop them. So much money came in, he had to stop them. I've never heard of that happening with a modern church. I mean, maybe... Maybe it has, but uh, there had to have been something in those Old Testament saints that knew they were investing in something that would outlive them. And uh, that, is, that is really, I, was it Bill Elliott, the, uh, the missionary, who said, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep in exchange for that which he cannot lose. That was Jim Elliott, right? Okay. He's no fool who gives that which you cannot keep. What is it you can't keep? You can't keep your money. That doesn't, that doesn't. You know, Chuck Swindoll told a story one time. He was preaching away from his uh, hometown, and he uh, showed up. He didn't have a suit jacket, so he, he needed to have a jacket. And he said, well, I'll, I'll just go borrow one from the local funeral home. He went to the funeral home. He, he, he found one that fit. And then as he was getting ready to preach, he, he was looking for a place to put his notes, and there was no pockets. In, in, in the, in the, and he went back and he complained to the undertaker. And he said, hey, what, what kind of, he says, the people that have these jackets, they don't need any pockets. <laughs> They're not taking anything with them. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the pockets here were all sewed up. <laughs> there are no pockets. No U-Hauls behind hearses. And, uh, you know, I, I think Habakkuk, Habakkuk the prophet, uh, talked about people putting, putting their money in pockets with holes. If you sow to yourself, you're putting your money in pockets with holes. It's going to run right out. It's going to be eaten up by something else. And in the end, you'll be disappointed. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This clause, these 10 verses in the beginning of chapter 6, seems so out of place because he's so irritated and he's chastising them and he's saying, what's wrong with you? You're, you're, you're so far removed already. Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? And, uh, you know, he talked about Peter. I got to Peter. I got right in his face. And I said, man, what's wrong with you? You hypocrite. And uh, this is the Apostle Paul, you know, arguing with the first pope. How dare he? <laughs> Peter, sometimes people think Peter's the first pope. If he was, then he was married.
So uh, here's what we have, folks. You're going to reap what you sow. Don't be deceived. It would be a good time. That's why I asked you if, you if you brought the bags. But you know what? If we were to take up an offering, let's say if you heard a message like this and, and Bob said, okay, the ushers are going to come, you might get a big offering. You know, what the, you know what really matters? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Are you going to continue to just nickel and dime God and, and sow to your own flesh? Or are you going to reap that corruption? Or are you going to sow to the Spirit and reap of the Spirit eternal benefits? Be clipping coupons off that a hundred million years from now. Yes, sister. Um, it's it's not just um, money or prosperity uh, that we sow and reap. Uh, we sow what in caring for other people, taking care of our children, uh, taking care of our neighbors and yeah. friends and doing for them sure and then people who don't take care of friends and their children and then they get old right and that's right and they expect because they're old yeah that everybody's going to be nice to them when they haven't been they reap what they sow yeah, yeah. all those years they were sowing what they get yeah yeah you can't plant cuckleberries and get butter beans you just can't do it. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, Lord, help us to live with our eyes open all the time. Lord, help us to be aware of how transitory and short this life is and the little bit of time that we have left. And how, Lord, we want to do what's pleasing to you. We do want to make investments in eternal treasure. And we want to be faithful to you, Lord. And I pray, Master, that as your spirit touches people's hearts, we will continue to do just that. And we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And we'll live to see the benefits in your eternal kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name, for the glory of your coming kingdom, we all agree together. Amen.